In April 1943, Irene Herbert made a new will, making Dr. Adams her executor, stating that she wished to be cremated and increasing the amount she was leaving him to £1,000 from £500, as a slight token for all his kindness which I can never repay. Then, in January 1944, Dr. Adams had a legal document drawn up which allowed him to take over her finances. He was to look after her house in Surrey, collect any rents, and also collect dividends on her shares. From her bank accounts, he wrote cheques for the maintenance of the patient, with the largest sums going to the practice of Adams and Snowball, £170 that March and another £42 in July. He also paid her housekeeper and gardener and arranged for the storage of her many furs. Irene Herbert's health quickly deteriorated. In December 1944, she was admitted to the Brighton Borough Asylum in Haywards Heath, and then, in the spring, to the Otto House, home for inebriates in Sydenham Hill in South London. When she first arrived, she was well enough to go out for drives, and sometimes Dr. Adams made his chauffeur available to her, at two pounds a time. But by the summer she was in a terrible state, and on the 5th of August 1944, Irene Herbert died at Otto House. She was fifty years old. Dr. Adams was not attending her at the time. She was in the care of the hospital doctors, so there could be no question of murder. But it was a case that brought into sharp relief the central conundrum of Dr. Adams. His treatment of Irene Herbert with heavy sedatives, while he took over the micromanagement of her finances and secured a place in her will, was unethical to say the least. But those who admired the doctor, including Mrs. Herbert herself, regarded his actions as compassionate. For the police investigation, it was essential to discover his motives. It was possible that he was actually a kind man, motivated primarily by religious belief and a commitment to the Christian ideals of the Plymouth Brethren. It was possible that he had made enemies because he was socially awkward, was edgy when challenged, and was physically unattractive. It was conceivable that he became so closely involved in his patients' private lives because he was lonely. But it was equally likely that Nurse Eunice Hitch's view of his motives had been the right one. Dr. Adams is out for money and all he can get. During August and September 1956, Superintendent Hannum recorded several more suspicious cases from the 1940s, one of which was Mary Mewart, an 89-year-old wealthy widow who had suffered a horrible accident in 1946. She had been standing too close to an electric fire, and her nightdress caught fire and burnt her legs. Dr. Adams was called. He bandaged her legs and put her to bed. Mrs. Muat owned a small Morris Minor car, and while attending her, Dr. Adams tried to induce her to sell the car to him, wrote Hannum. When she declined to part with her car, he tried to get his hands on some fine pieces of furniture that she owned. Again, Mrs. Muat refused. A nurse, Marion Richards, was called in. Nurse Richards said Mrs. Muat was in fairly good health, apart from her burns, and was mentally alert. One day Dr. Adams came to visit, and she saw him in Mrs. Muat's bedroom, sitting next to her, with a blank piece of paper on his attaché case, which was resting on his knee. He had a pen in his hand, and was trying to make Mrs. Muat sign her name on the paper. 
Nurse Richards went into the room, but the doctor waved her out again. Later, Mrs. Moore told the nurse, Doctor wanted me to sign my name, but I can't. I'm too ill. All that day she kept saying, I'm sorry I couldn't sign the paper for the doctor this morning. A few days later, she died. Dr. Adams wrote out a death certificate, giving the primary cause of death the cerebral thrombosis. As he wrote out the certificate, he observed, It's lucky she died of thrombosis, because otherwise there would have been an inquest on the burning accident. As he was leaving the house, the doctor told Mrs. Moat's niece that he still wanted her Morris Minor. A callous remark, I thought, at such a time, said the niece. After the funeral.